this week on American Idols. I cannot believe I'm on hold this long. I'm a paying customer here. Honey, can you get my tray off the top shelf? I'm taking muffins to my book club and I'm running late. Sweetheart, I, I can't right now. I'm on hold with the garage and it's so frustrating. Bob's Garage? Two days? You have to order the part from Poughkeepsie? Honey, I need that tray now. I'm running late. You told me two days yesterday. Honey! Honey, I've seen your friends in the book club, and they can go a week without muffins. Trust me. Honey! Can you hold for a second? Dad, can you take me to the store? I've saved up my money, and I want to buy a new slingshot. I can't right now, son. Mom! Can you take me to the store? No, Junior. You'll just have to wait. But I don't want to wait. I want it now! Junior! You can go to your room right now. What has gotten into that boy? Kids are so impatient today. Are you there? Yeah, I want my car. I want it right now. Maybe you uh, recall the story of the man praying to God. And he said, God, is it true that... A minute to you is like a million years. And God said, yes, that's true. And so I guess a penny to you would be like a million dollars. And God said, yes, that's true. He said, God, could I have a penny? And God said, just a minute. Do you enjoy being put on hold? This morning we want to address an epidemic plaguing our country. It is a sickness that has infected most of us and it's called hurry sickness. And it shows up every day. Take a little test with me. You're driving somewhere... And you can see a red light ahead, there's a two lanes, and there's a car in each lane. Do you surmise which one of those two cars will pull out the fastest and pull behind that car? See, you're sicker than you thought. And you go to the grocery store, and you want to just get a couple of things, and you don't want to take long. And so you get in the express line, and there's a lady in front of you, and her cart looks pretty full. Do you count just to see if she has over 15 items in that cart. You see, you're sicker than you thought. Or maybe you have a cart full of things and you go to check out and there's two lines and they're pretty full. And so you size them up. Which one of these two lines is going to be the quickest? Okay, now we've all done that. But what really proves we're sick is that while we stand in that line, we check to see where we would be if we had gotten in the other line, right? (laughs) There is a reason that Pert Plus became the fastest selling shampoo in America. Because they said, why take all the time to put on shampoo and conditioner when you can do it all at once and save all that time? There's a reason Domino's became the fastest growing pizza chain in America. The president of Domino's says, we don't sell pizza. We sell delivery. And if you've eaten Domino's, you know he's telling the truth. (laughs) See, from parents to politicians, 
We want instant gratification. Think about it this election season. Do we want any politician to look us in the eye and say, we've got big problems in our country and it's going to take a long time to fix them and we're going to have to suck it up and we're going to have to pay a price and if we'll do that, years from now, we can get our country back on track. No, we want them to say, vote for me and I'll fix this in no time. We bow before the idol named now. Why? Well, what now does for us is temporarily solve our weight problem. You see, we see evidence of hurry sickness in almost every arena. In the marketplace, we want the deal made today. We want the sale today. I want my stock to go up today. In sports, we don't want the coach to talk about a rebuilding program. You've got one, maybe two years to turn this team around or you're fired because we want it improved now. We all know what it's like in traffic. We want our lane to flow now. And we've all seen pretty rude behavior, even at church. It's amazing how the hurry sickness shows up at church. I have seen some amazingly ungodly behavior as people are in a hurry to get off a church parking lot. Every week I see people as we give an offering for people to come and accept Christ, get up during that time and leave. A hundred, 150 people will do this every week. Now, if you have chest pains and your left arm's going numb, you have permission to get up and leave. But I'm trying to think, where do you have to go? That is so important. You can't stay a few minutes to see if someone gets saved. I was preaching one time, this guy got up in the middle of my, uh, well, thank you. Guy got up in the middle of my sermon and he started stomping off and it made me mad. I said, where are you going? He says, I'm getting a haircut. I said, why didn't you get a haircut before you came? He said, I didn't need one before I came. (laughs) We want things done fast. And we'll give our allegiance to almost anything or anyone who will promise us expedience and convenience. But what we have to ask ourselves this morning is that even if the now God saves us time, can it save our soul? And I'm not even talking about eternity, although we will deal with that later. I'm talking about the person that's the real you. Is worshiping the now God making you a better person? There was a very significant study done in the 1960s in Stanford University that got a lot of press. And here's what they did. They took preschool children and they'd take a child and put him in a room with a table. And on the table was a marshmallow. And the child was told, you can go have that marshmallow now. Or if you will wait 15 minutes, we will give you two marshmallows. And predictably, almost every child would take the marshmallow now, but some didn't. But that's not what made the study interesting. What made it interesting was that they tracked those teenagers for the next 15 years. They found that in the late teens, those same kids that could wait 15 minutes to get an extra marshmallow did better in school, handled stress better, were more self-confident, and maybe most important, they found they were better able To say no to peer pressure. This past week, my wife was at a retreat. I was coming back from supper with my son. Because when my wife is gone, we do not eat at our house. (laughs) 
my wife cleans the kitchen before she leaves and she says, now you make sure this kitchen's clean when I get back. I say, honey, you ain't got to worry about it. That kitchen's going to look just like this when you get back. So we're coming back from eating. You remember last Monday, it had rained a good part of the day. The streets were wet. My youngest has just got his learner's permit. And so he's wanting to learn to drive. So I was letting him drive. And, I, and we, there's a street that you go to to get to my neighborhood. And for part of that street, the speed limit's 45 miles an hour. But then before you get to my neighborhood, it turns to 30 miles an hour. So we're going down that street. Matthew's going the speed limit. He's doing a fine job. Ahead of us were two cars about 50 yards. They're driving the speed limit. And a car pulled behind us and started honking. Honking because my son was not driving fast enough. Now remember, the streets are wet. We're going the speed limit. And even if he got past Matthew, there was no place for him to go because there were two cars in front. And we were all about to have to slow down to 30 miles an hour. But he just kept hitting that horn. Now, my son has not had this experience yet. And you could tell he was getting tense. What do I do, Dad? And I said, you drive safe and you don't ever let anybody intimidate you into going faster than you ought to go. And he handled it very well. The next day I'm working on this sermon. And I realize the advice I gave my son for driving is good advice for the rest of his life. How many people have compromised their morality because they were made to go faster than they really wanted to go? How many people are in serious debt problems today because with that credit card, you can get things faster than you really need to go? How many people have bailed out on marriages Because the slow, steady work of rebuilding was too painful. You could go faster and just walk away. Some of you this morning are wrestling with a weight problem. And I'm not talking about traffic. Some of you this morning are single and you're tired of being single. You wish you could share your life with somebody. And there are some couples here this morning that just got the news this week. One more time, you're not pregnant. And you're tired of getting that news. You're tired of wondering if your marriage is ever going to be what it used to be and what it ought to be. You're tired of going every day to a job that you don't like or Not having a job to go to at all. You're tired of waking up every morning feeling depressed. Now here's the thing. In almost every case, the now God can offer you a temporary fix. Hey, at the price of your purity, you can be in somebody's bed tonight. You can have an affair if you want a little excitement in your life and it's not been in your marriage in a while. I'm told if you'll go to the mall and buy something, it'll make you feel better. Spending seems to always make you feel better for a little while. You can go get a bottle or a pill. It'll give you a buzz for a moment. The now God will always offer a temporary fix to your weight problem. 
And it's hard to say no, especially if it feels like all you've been doing is leaving messages on God's voicemail because he's not picking up the phone. Now says it's better to live by sight than faith. And even the most faithful of us are not immune to this sickness. In the Bible, the father of faith, Abraham, he, he worshipped the now God one time. God gave him a promise of a child through whom nations would be blessed. But he couldn't wait. And his wife Sarah said, let's do something now. Take Hagar and let's take control. Let's take charge. Let's fix this problem now. I'm tired of waiting to be a mother. See, the worship of the now God is based on the premise that you can't always trust God to come through with his promises. And so the assumption is that because we're having to wait, some questions need to be raised about the character of God. And waiting does question character, but not God's. You see, here's the key to the whole sermon, the next statement I'm about to make. Because God is sovereign, he didn't have to make you wait for anything. But is it possible that what God does in us while we're waiting is as important as what we're waiting for? I was walking several years ago in a mall, and there's this store there. I've never gone inside. It mainly sells accessories for women. But I saw a sign that intrigued me. A sign said, ears pierced while you wait. Now, ladies, I'm not sure, but is there really any other way to do that? Can you take off your ears, say, pierce these. When I come back, I'd like to get them. Some things can only be done while you wait. Like the saving and the nurturing of a soul. And that's why, if you'll check me on this, I think you'll agree. All of God's best people were trained waiters. Abraham and Sarah waiting 25 years for the child of promise. Joseph waiting all those years in prison for a crime he didn't commit. David waiting for the throne as he's running for his life out in the wilderness. Hannah waiting Year after year to finally become a mother. Simeon and Anna waiting for the Messiah in the temple. The disciples waiting for the Holy Spirit. Paul waiting month after month in prisons for trial. And the church still waiting for the return of Christ. Now please notice, in none of those examples was God punishing anybody. That God's delays do not necessarily mean his displeasure. In other words, when God rejects the timing of your request, that doesn't mean God has rejected you. God was not disciplining those people. He was discipling those people. He was doing something in them. That was as important as what they were waiting for. I came across this piece recently by a man named Wes Seliger that I think makes the point well. He writes, I have spent long hours in the intensive care waiting room watching with anguished people listening to urgent questions. 
Will my husband make it? Will my child walk again? How do you live without your companion of 30 years? The intensive care waiting room is different from any other place in the world. And the people who wait are different. They can't do enough for each other. No one is rude. The distinctions of race and class melt away. The garbage man loves his wife as much as the university professor loves his. And everyone understands this. Each person pulls for everyone else. In the intensive care waiting room, the world changes. Vanity and pretense vanish. The universe is focused on the doctor's next report. If only it will show improvement. Everyone knows that loving someone else is what life is all about. Could we learn to love like that? If we realize that every day of life is a day in the waiting room. Scripture consistently calls us to forsake the worship of the God named now. And enter into God's waiting room. That's why over and over in the Bible you find verses like Psalm 27, 14. Wait For the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Because God is doing something in you that's as important as what you're waiting for. What's he doing? Well, at least two things. First is growth in my character. You see, God can do more than we ask. But God never promises to do all that we ask. And the reason he won't do all that we ask is the same reason you parents don't give your child everything they ask for as soon as they ask for it. Because you know you can't raise a quality human being that way. Some of you in the education world have that child whose parents think it's their job to fulfill every whim and every desire as quickly as they can. And that child is obnoxious. That child is difficult. We call that child a spoiled brat because their parents have diminished the capacity of that child to grow in character. God loves you too much to do that to you spiritually. And so he'll allow temporary pain if it'll produce eternal gain. Look at Romans 5, verse 3 and 4 with me. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they're good for us. They help us learn to be patient. And patience develops strength of character in us. I came across this... uh, Line by Catherine Marshall in her book, Adventures in Prayer. Waiting seems to be a kind of acted out prayer that is required more often than I could understand until I saw the remarkable faith muscles this act develops. For isn't it true that waiting demands patience, persistence, trust, expectancy, all the qualities we are continually beseeching God to give us? Isn't that the truth? We're always praying, God, increase my faith. God, help me to be stronger in Christ. God, teach me to be more dependent on you. Well, how is God going to do that? By inviting you into the waiting room. Abraham became a better man by waiting for Isaac. To the point that even he could release Isaac to the altar if God asked. 
Joseph became better equipped to be a ruler of Egypt by what he learned in prison. David wrote some of the best worship songs of his life out there in those caves while he was running from Saul. Hannah reached the point in her waiting that she said, I will dedicate any child God gives me to his service. Paul said, I've learned in all things to be content. Well, how did he learn in all things to be content? By getting everything he wanted as fast as he wanted it? No, it was in prison, being in want, that he learned contentment. Don't waste a good weight. Instead of saying, why God? Maybe you should pray. What God? Are you wanting me to learn right now? And the answer will probably be, I want you to learn to trust me more. And live by faith instead of sight. Go back to Romans 5 verse 4 with me and let's look at the rest of the verse. Patience develops strength of character in us. And helps us trust God more each time we use it until finally our hope and faith are strong and steady. What's God doing in us? He's growing our character and he's building depth in our faith. He's building depth in my faith. Because waiting decides who is in charge. Last week we talked about the God of control. There is a very powerful connection between these two gods. The God of control and the God of now. Because the God of now says, why should we have to wait? And the God of control says, well then let's take charge and do something about it. See, waiting demands the humble recognition that I'm a creature. That I just can't dictate the future that I would prefer that I'm not in control to topple the idol of now I've got to grow in my conviction that the God who orders my steps is the same God who orders my stops and I've got to trust him in both situations I've got to grow in my capacity to interpret life through the lens of of hope. You see, we're Saturday people living by faith instead of sight. You say, what do you mean Saturday people? Well, Jesus died on Friday. He paid the price for our sins. His blood was spilled. On Sunday, he rose victorious. And we believe those things. Our faith is built on those concrete events of history. We've entered into Friday. We've been baptized into Christ. His blood has washed away our sins. But we haven't experienced Sunday yet. The full consummation of our victory. We haven't received our new bodies yet. We haven't gone through our resurrection yet. We've been to Friday. But right now, we're in Saturday. And to survive in Saturday, you have to live with hope. And by the way, you know who teaches us how to live in Saturday is Jesus. Do you remember he's out in the wilderness praying and fasting for 40 days? And immediately, Satan shows up to tempt him to compromise his agenda from God. Think with me on this. What were those three temptations? They were all temptations to instant gratification you hungry 
Well, if you're the son of God, why do you need to wait to eat? There's some stones there. Turn them into bread. You're the Messiah? Why don't people know about it yet? Don't jump off the temple. That'll solve that problem. Are you a king? I can make you a king right now. Just bow down. And all three times, Jesus waited on the timing of God. And by the way, I would suggest to you, if you want to grow in the waiting room, one thing you need to incorporate into your discipline is fasting. Fasting prepared Jesus for the God of now. Because fasting teaches us to say no to an appetite that's calling us right now for something better. And so if you're having trouble in the waiting room, I would encourage you to try a season of fasting. Maybe it's fasting from food, or maybe it's fasting from TV, or maybe it's fasting from a hobby you enjoy. But fasting will grant the Holy Spirit more room to take charge in your life and fill you with hope. The Bible says in Psalm 33, we wait in hope for the Lord. He's our help and our shield. In Him our hearts rejoice. For we trust in His holy name. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in You. You can't wait well without hope. Without believing that Sunday's coming. So let me give you a couple of quick encouragements to help you hope better. Here's the first. Just remember, God does not have a weight problem. And let me tell you why you should be glad about that. Because God has been waiting on you a long time. You say, God, why are you making me wait so much? God would say the same thing back to you. Isaiah 30, verse 18. The Lord still waits for you to come to him. So that he can show you his love and compassion. For the Lord is a faithful God. Listen, God has never asked you to be more patient than he's had to be with you. God doesn't have a weight problem. That's good news. And here's some more. Jesus will be worth the weight. He's going to come back someday. Sunday's going to arrive And then we're going to live in the eternal now. No more past, no more future, just now. But until then, the Bible says, we have been given the Holy Spirit as a foretaste of what's coming. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, you have every spiritual gift You need, as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ, and He will keep you strong right up to the end, and He'll keep you free from all blame on the great day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. And God will surely do this for you, for He always does just what He says. And He's the one who invited you into this wonderful friendship with His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. My suspicion is some of us are struggling because we've let waiting for something overwhelm waiting for someone. 
I want you to think about something you're waiting for right now. Because everybody here is in God's waiting room in some way. And you need a big old dose of hope. You need to hold on to someone instead of holding out for something. I want you to watch a video we showed several years ago. It'll encourage you again. And as you watch it, just ask yourself, what am I need to start waiting for? To the world, reaching for an anchor, fingers tightly curled, grasping for a reason without knowing why. We will cling to anything till the day. just one more verse to share with you it comes from Isaiah you sang it just a moment ago those who wait on the Lord will find new strength 
They'll fly high on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. This is God's promise to us through His Holy Spirit. He will fill you with waiting power if you'll embrace the wait with hope. He will do this. He will give you strength. There's only one time you don't wait. That You don't wait to serve a God like this. You don't wait to give your life to Him. And some of you have been doing that. You know the gospel. You know who Jesus is. And you've still been waiting to give your life to Him. You stop that. Give your life to Christ today. Now is the day of salvation, the Bible says. We're going to invite you to come and be baptized this morning into Jesus. Right down to the front. Just come let us know you want to do that. If you would like elders and leaders to pray over you this morning, if you go to the chapel, they'll meet you. We're going to stand up now. We're going to remember the Lord gives us strength while we wait. Let's all sing together.